Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. Welcome back to Creating Synergy podcast. Today, we welcome back Michelle Holland, Director of Synergy IQ, expert in leadership, culture, and change, a mother of two beautiful young human beings and two ratbag fur babies. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) And also a mad Harry Potter fan, probably one of the world's... uh, most obsessed Harry Potter fans that I've maybe be maybe. up there, yeah. Be up uh, well, there. yes, yes. I keep it nicely hidden as opposed to others that don't keep it hidden. Excellent. So today <laughs> we have got Michelle back to talk more about the Dare to Lead program that she runs. Now, the Dare to Lead program, and Michelle will go into it far more than what uh, I far better than what I can. But the Dare to Lead program is uh, run by a lady by the name Brene Brown. It was created by Brene Brown, yes. Created by Brene yes. Brown. Now, yeah. you spent a little bit of time over in the US with Brene getting this accreditation. I did, yeah. So, it was, uh, I think, at the beginning of 2019, uh, flew over to San Antonio, Texas, which was uh, a great place, great place in Texas, and spent three days learning the program and the research directly from Brene, uh, which was an amazing experience, just, you know, being able to hear the behind the scenes um, reasons for the the research and digging into it a lot more because obviously she's been doing uh, research for the last 20 odd years, specifically in the areas of belonging and shame. Um, Interestingly, Brene started looking at belonging. So she Mm -hmm. looked at how things are connected and how people are connected and where that ended up leading her to was actually how we become disconnected Mm. and those are things like our our shame triggers and the armor that we wear and all of these different things so she started researching quite a lot in that and has essentially become the one of the world's foremost um, authorities on vulnerability yeah so she's pretty famous now well yeah gosh she's um she's even been uh cameoed as herself in a movie i think that oh, ends up yeah. being the, yeah Which one was that? uh a, a movie called um oh, i can't remember the name of it now it's like something wine country i think okay. it's called yeah yeah yeah, Actually, yeah, it's I a, do know that now, yeah. yeah yeah so it's a, a girl's weekend away yeah. and you know there's some a number of you know quite uh a famous comedian actress is in it and she does a, a cameo appearance. You know you've made it when you play yourself. That's what I it. reckon as yeah. well. So all of a sudden and she's got her uh, documentary that's on um, Netflix as well, yeah. so The Call to Courage, and that was the first time Netflix decided that they'd make a documentary-style program with a yeah. speaker. So it was very much the first time they'd done anything like yeah. this with Brene and it's so, that, so in pretty good company because they did the same recently with Tony Robbins as well. Yes. He's got one. Yes. Well, they do it with comedians. Why couldn't they do it with actually people who are who speaking are, yes, about teaching. Teaching, yeah, teaching. educating. Absolutely. Yes. And her yeah, what is it? TED Talk is also pretty famous yeah so i think at last when i last looked at it there was like 52 million views on her uh, ted talk which is called the power of vulnerability 
And that was that was the first one that I actually saw. So when I was introduced to Brene's work, because I've been um, a fan of Brene's for a very long time, it was around about 2013, and it was the power of vulnerability that I was watching. I was doing a, a year-long leadership program, and they sent me this, you know, TED Talk. So I watched that at the beginning of 2013. And, you know, I was in a place at that time where I wasn't ready to accept that um, vulnerability was part of the process of courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the same as many people that looked at vulnerability as weakness. And when I looked at it, I was like, great video. You know, she's an amazing speaker. She's very entertaining. This is essential learning for every person, but not me, mm-hmm. not me. This I can't do vulnerability. You know, I'm a HR manager. I was a senior HR director in a company at that time. And, you know, I had my mask firmly placed and my armor firmly on and thought I needed that to protect myself because of the environment that I was in. And so I rejected it. I Mm. actually rejected her work when I first came across it because I wasn't ready for this vulnerability thing. Funnily enough, what she says in the TED Talk is if you don't do vulnerability, vulnerability does you. Mm. So I found that by the end of 2013, vulnerability had done me and done me in. Mm. And therefore I kind of went, something in this, something in this stuff. I should probably have a bit more of a look at it. And uh, it was a, probably about a year later before I picked up her book, which is called The Gifts of Imperfection. I yeah. watched a few more of her videos and sort of dove into a few things and then picked up the books, The, uh, the Gifts of Imperfection, and that changed me. So the books of uh, The Gifts of uh, Imperfection absolutely would have changed you, changed me as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so when you ask or when you say – vulnerability done you (laughs) can you elaborate yeah absolutely so at that time um i had gone through uh quite a significant uh i guess change process for myself so we talk about transformation it was a transformative year for me i was doing a program called the governor's leadership foundation uh here in south australia and it's a a program where you really dive into not just yourself but your your leadership within the context of the world and the society that you're in and, and it's a really it really digs into who you are and and how you turn up and it's one of those programs that kind of you know, almost rips you from the inside out mm-hmm. and I walked into the program very much with a, a view of I'm going to allow this program to rip me from the inside out and I'm going to go with it that was that was the that was my uh, commitment to myself. So why were you there? Why were you in that space? Saying like you're open to letting it do that. Is, had something rocked you previously? Or? <laughs> oh, look, I, um, I think I was in a place where I was considering what was next for me mm-hmm. in my career. I'd been a, a senior HR manager, director for about six years or seven years by that time. I'd been in human resources for a long period of time and I was really struggling to figure out what was next for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd got to a point where I was well known in the the industry of HR, I was on the RE Council. Um, so I'd, I'd gone to those sort of highest levels of the career pathway, you know, I was 
uh, volunteering for the professional body. I was at a senior role in a, a large organisation. I was speaking around the country, you know, based on this. I was on national committees and panels uh, representing my profession. Mm-hmm. So I was really in that place of just going, okay, I've, I feel like I've kind of climbed to the top of the mountain and what's next? There's yeah. got to be a bigger mountain. What's on the other side? What's on the other side? There's got to be a bigger mountain. There's got to be still stuff to climb. Um, so yeah, I was really searching and I, I quite often laugh that, you know, I said to people as I walked into the GLF, it was either GLF or, um, counseling or therapy. (laughs) So I decided on GLF GLF. at that time. Um, but yeah, it was a program where I didn't want to just learn leadership again, because I actually, I taught leadership. So I didn't want to learn leadership. I don't want to go into a traditional leadership program. I really wanted something that was different and because of that whole of world look like you dive into climate change you dive into racism you dive into um the the uh, criminal system and Mm -hmm. you know and all of the things that sit under that so it really did help with me sort of just opening my eyes up to the rest of the world and going I used to I used to do all sorts of things in my life and all of a sudden I've just become somebody who works Mm -hmm. and that's it so what's next So that's really why I chose that journey and that's why I walked into it going, I just need to be open to whatever happens, happens. Mm. So when I first looked at Brene's work and went, oh, this vulnerability stuff is just not for me, I recognised at the time also that I needed to explore it Mm. because I was already rejecting it and that was the armour going on. So through that year, I started to play with it and go, okay, what happens if I take my armor off? What happens if I take my mask off? What will happen? And what actually happened was what I feared would happen was that I was actually rejected from the business that I was in. Mm-hmm. They didn't want this new Michelle. They didn't want the brave, vulnerable, challenging Michelle. They wanted the mask wearing, do what we tell you, Michelle, yeah. which I've never really been in that, but I, I found I fell into that a little bit in this organization. Um, because of the way in which the the senior leadership behaved. It's the culture of the business. It was. It was the culture of the business. And, like, my job was there to try and shift and change the culture. Mm. And we'd done such a fabulous job for the first three, three and a half years. And then, of course, change of leadership at the top, change of direction, change mm. of behaviour at the top, and things shifted. So through that period of time, I went, I'm just going, I'm going to start being me and the the authentic me and I'm going to say that the direction that we're going in isn't a good direction for the people, for the business. I was having people come to me and say, I don't know what's going on, this isn't okay. It was great 12 months ago, now what the hell? Mm. So um, I started challenging and uh, and properly challenging and, of course, I wasn't uh, appreciated for that challenge. And, um, you know, it got to a point where I, I, on reflection now, realize it was bullying. Um, At the time, I didn't accept that it was bullying because I was the, you know, the senior HR person. You can't get bullied if you're the senior HR person, can you? Like, this is, what the hell? I help other people when they're bullied, (laughs) you know? This doesn't feel right to me. But I know now that it was. I was being left out of meetings that were important. I wasn't being told things that were important. Um, The, you know, the programs of work that we were putting up were being rejected without proper reasoning. You know, there was all this stuff that was happening that just led me down a track going, this is not the place for me anymore. Mm. Like this is not, this is not enjoyable. And, 
you know, I, I feared that being vulnerable and opening myself up and being brave, because you can't be brave without being vulnerable, that I would get my head chopped off. That was my fear. And what ended up happening was I was bullied and mm. I got my head chopped off. Mm. So my fears came to realize, um, realization, uh, which, you know, could have crushed me completely. But I think because I dropped myself into that place of going, I actually just want to be my authentic self and I enjoyed being my authentic self that I ended up leaving that organization and starting a, a business at that time. It's like, go out of that and straight into, Start you know, working own. for yourself. Like, seriously, don't do that. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy time. Um, and, you know, and that really affected my identity. It affected who I was. It affected all of these things that I thought were me. So I was really starting to rip myself from the inside out. So when I picked up the gifts of imperfection, it, it actually really, really affected me because it's very much about um, we have this, we use perfection as armor. That's what we do. We use this perfectionism. I want to be seen as being the best. I want to be seen as, you know, the top of the, the mountain. And that's where I was. You know, I was at the top of the mountain. I was, you know, seen as um, someone who was pivotal in the, in the space of human resources. And then all of a sudden I wasn't. And what did that mean for me? Did that mean that I'm not who I am anymore? Mm. So it was really that turning on the head thing. Yeah. So that was in, I think, about 2014 or so that I had that turning myself inside out moment and started really diving into the work that Brene had, uh, had put out just personally. Yeah. Personally. Because she's got more than one or two. Oh, and she's got book. five um, New York Times bestselling Books. Is there is there an order in which you would suggest people read those books? Look, I think The Gifts of Imperfection was definitely the one that she released um, that went um, uh, to the top of the charts really quite quickly. Yeah. That's not her first book. That's, I think, it was her second book. Um, and she's got a lot of books that are in between or um, programs, so The Gifts of Imperfection for Parenting and, yeah, and okay. all sorts of things. So she's got lots of different But is ones. there a general uh, step guide to the way she's written her books? So, you know, Gifts of Imperfection is about self. Yeah, so I would um, – in uh, the way I generally recommend people yeah. read them, if it's a order of which they want to do a self-development journey, Gifts of Imperfection is first. Yeah then Daring Greatly, and then Rising Strong. Yep. So those three books combined are really the ones about releasing um, releasing the leader within okay. is what I would say. And that's where Dare to Lead was born? Is yeah, that so Dare how? to Lead came out of um, – you've got the price tag on there, Danny. Oh. I need to take the price tag off. What I the just, heck? I just, I just read them. I don't just read them. About, don't, I don't worry about that. what's on them. <laughs> So the Dare to Lead um, book came from the fact that, uh, you know, Brene had done all this work and people were really appreciating her work and really diving into it like I did and using it to shift and change themselves from the inside out. Yeah. And there was a number of organisations, you know, like the Googles of the world and Pixar and, yep. you know, and Nike and all these big companies which were saying, hey, you know, I've picked this up and I'm now starting my journey as a leader from the inside out. I'm changing myself. How do I bring this into my workplace? Because who talks about shame? 
at work? Mm. Who talks about the fact that we have these emotional triggers and that comes from our past at work? Like nobody does that. Mm. You know, we don't talk about that stuff because that's vulnerability and we don't want to look weak, you know, so there's this loop. So they were asking Brene, you know, can you come in and talk at our, at our you know, workplaces? Um, and interesting, Brene actually comes from an organisational development background. Like mm. That was her original career when she, oh, yeah. before she went into social work. So she's like, okay, yep, I'm working with organisations. That's kind of my bag. No worries, I can do that. Came in and then started that journey where she was being asked more and more and more to come in and talk with leaders and how leaders actually develop these inner skills. Mm. It's, it's self-actualization if you think about that in the broadest sense. It's how do I reach my full potential? Well, I can't do that by looking things outside. I mm. have to look at the inside. You know, leadership is a an inside-out job. Yeah. So she decided that this, you know, there's got to be something in this and started a seven-year journey of research into how does my work, how does these things apply in the workplace and can they be used to transfer, transform organisations? And uh, so she did some research and one of the key questions she asked was, well, if you could change anything, in your workplace to get better outcomes, better success for you, your team, the organisation, your customers, what would that be? And overwhelmingly people said we need braver leaders and more courageous cultures. We need to have more um, robust and tough conversations. We're keeping, we're holding things back. We're not speaking our mind. We're not challenging each other enough. We need to have braver conversations. Mm. So she started on a journey on, well, what creates brave leadership? What creates courage? And she discovered through this um, research that there are four key skill sets that actually create courage. Mm. So she found out that courage is actually a teachable, observable and measurable skill. I think that's why we really love her work is because it is based on research. But wh- yeah. when, what, is, what does that research look like? Do you have any background on that or yeah so she does what's called grounded theory uh, research which essentially means she's a story collector so she goes out and speaks to um you know hundreds actually thousands now of people her and her team not just her but her and her team and she gathers stories so they ask questions and then the people start telling her these stories and then through that she starts to discover the themes or the the common elements throughout these stories and pulls them together. And one of the elements of grounded research is there's no outliers. Mm. So in normal research, you have outliers, you know, something that's right at the beginning or right at the end and usually gravitate to the Mm. middle section. Well, in grounded theory, there are no such thing as outliers. So it's how do you capture the outlying information into this body of work as well. So... Yeah, she calls herself a storyteller and a story collector and that's really what she's done. So Grounded Theory is she's had all of these conversations with people, pulled all of the information together and then given it back in a packaged format, yeah. which is really why people go, I really respond to Brene's I work. Yeah, I really connect with it. Because I know that it. type of character. That's, that's exactly me. right because that is me and mm. that's essentially what she says is, you know, it, 
everybody resonates with it because I've essentially taken your story, repackaged it and handed it yeah, back to you. You went to interview enough people, you're going to hit one that's similar yes. to where you're at. Yeah. Well, she said that her and her team currently have about 400,000 data points wow. to review through all of this research. Currently, the research she's working on is uh, more in the emotional intelligence and emotional literacy mm-hmm. area that I think is going to be her, her next book coming through whenever it comes through yeah. in the next year or so. That'd be great. Obviously, COVID's kind of un- unraveled certain yeah. things that have happened, but uh, that is the, the next wave of this. So she's really starting to dig under much more of that emotional intelligence or what we call emotional intelligence. She generally calls it emotional literacy, which I prefer because I think it's much more um, accessible. Yeah. Then. You know, emotional intelligence gets a bit like, oh, geez, do I have to be really, really clever at yeah, this whole emotion dumb, stuff? Yeah, you're dumb emotionally. Yeah, you're dumb emotionally <laughs> if you don't know it, yeah. but it's really it's emotional literacy that's important, yeah. understanding those emotions. Understanding. Yeah, so all of that research, all of the, you know, from her – her research she did with individuals as well as then with organisations. She packaged all that up and then wrote Dear to Lead. And wrote Dear to Lead. Hmm. It's amazing. It's an amazing program. I've sat in on a few ones that mm-hmm. you've done before. So you're accredited in Dare to Lead. There's only a few people and a handful of people in Australia that are. Yeah. yeah. So you- there's a cohort of 300 uh, Dare to Lead certified facilitators across the world across the world yeah yeah and you're one of them and i'm one of them pretty proud yeah yeah absolutely and being able to you know be one of the first cohort to go through the program as Mm. well has been uh been a great journey because we've been able to provide feedback back to Brene and her team which she's now incorporated into that program because the program is actually shifting and changing now because of the feedback that we've been able to provide mm. to her on, you know, trying it and doing it in different ways. And um, the really cool thing I think with the, the Dare to Lead program is it, it is based on the book, right? So it's taking the learnings within the book and actually really digging into them, you know, yeah. in a personal way. So had taking that time to go, okay, what does this actually mean for me? And let's run through a process of really digging into it. So it brings the book to life. Mm. Um the cool thing that Brene did when she, you know, taught us all and we all became certified facilitators, uh, she said to us in the program, she's like, I don't want you to all be Brene Brown cover bands. Mm. That's not what I want. Yeah. She says, I want you to understand the research. I want you to take the learning. I want you to take the curriculum and I want you to make it your own. Yeah, that's cool. So I think Which that's is what you've the done. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the beauty of the, the Dare to Lead program is that you might go to a program with one facilitator and then go to one with another facilitator. And yeah, the baseline is the same, but the the punchy points are different. Yeah. You know, the the application is different, the way in which it's taught is different. Um, and we're all part of a big facilitation group as well. So we share different things with each other. Yeah, you know, there's great. some really creative ways that people are, tr- are exploring values or they're exploring trust or they're exploring um, empathy shame. And, and shame and all of those mm. sort of things. So, you know, we learn from each other and we grow and grow and grow. So I, I don't think I've run one that's been exactly the same. Mm. It's, well, it depends on who's in the room oh. and the conversation that goes on. I think that's why it's – Yeah, yeah. I think I've sat in a couple and – yeah, each time 
you feel connected to whoever is in that room. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the program as well is because it's more about facilitating discussion mm. and facilitating learning. It's not a, it's not a um, you know, follow the bouncing ball kind yeah. of approach. So your typical leadership program is this is what a leadership looked like, right? It's the education piece on what a leadership what leadership duty is, yeah. I guess. Well, there's there's different kinds of leadership programs. I mean, um, the unfortunate thing is we've we've mixed up the terms leader and manager quite a lot, yeah. and a lot of leadership programs are actually management mm. programs, um, and that's an important skill and a necessary skill for you to be within an organisation. You have to have management skill mm-hmm. to be a manager and a leader. To teach leadership, it's a very different model and different concept. So there are some, are some really great leadership programs out there that do teach that leadership and they always start from within. And I think that to me is the beauty of the Dare to Lead program is it starts from within before you start looking outside mm. of yourself. So we talk about in the program how to give and receive feedback, but we don't go through a here's where you start, you know, go sit in a room confidentiality blah 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 that you would learn in a management or HR course it's about how do you prepare yourself as a leader to be able to provide the best kind of feedback for that other person Mm. that's going to help them reach their full potential yeah that's so much more important than the step-by-step process of how to deliver a feedback conversation because it really goes into that I'm a human you're a human let's connect Let's do this together. And guess what? I actually give a shit about you. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to sit with you, not across from you, and give you something. We're going to do this together. We're going to develop together, which is so much more meaningful for the other person. And particularly if you're having to have a conversation with them, which is a bit tough, Mm. which is, you know, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. You didn't do what you needed to do. You didn't have the capability, the capacity. We need to grow that in you so you can deliver something better next time. Yeah, Those are tough conversations to have with people because we have ego in that and all the rest of it, right? So they're tough conversations to have. Being able to have the um, inner strength and wisdom to be able to turn up to that meeting and go, I'm actually going to sit here with you as we go through this. I'm going to sit here as a leader and feel your discomfort with you, tap into the emotion that you're feeling and empathize with you. That's a bloody tough place to be as a leader. So much easier. Oh, yeah. So much easier to walk in a room and have just that complete IR, you know, Yeah. yeah, this is the process. I'm just going to run through it. I'm just going to tell you and I've hit all the points and then whatever you're feeling is your feelings, nothing to do with me and now I'm going to walk out the room. Yeah. I'm no concern for your emotion. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very different, very, very different way of um, looking at those more traditional management-type skills. The book uh, on our podcast, we've had a f- and, and all completely unrelated, I'd say, dead lead book. When I ask the question, what's your favourite book? Hands down, majority of the people on this podcast so far have said dare to lead. Yeah. <laughs> and and they've got no and, and Gab, Gabriella and I have looked at each other and laughed and said, <laughs> well, actually we haven't paid you to say that no. because 
it is such a, a powerful book mm. and the learnings to come from it. What I really love about the program too is that you get a bit of Brene in the program. You do. Don't you? You yes. get her pop up on the screen yeah. and she has a, a you know, she got, almost is a co-facilitator in, yeah. the, in the process. Can you tell us a little bit more about the way the programs run? Yes, yes. So there's actually a very um, uh, clear curriculum that has yep. been developed for the dare to lead program so to get the certificate at the end and all that sort of thing it's a currently a 16 hour program it's moving to a 24 hour program yeah, wow. so currently a 16 hour program you get your certificate at the end um, you have to go through the entire curriculum and at different points through that curriculum Brene has actually done videos at each point to help educate. Yeah. So there are, um, I think, 12 videos of Brene's. Now, I choose not to use all of her videos. Um, I use, I think, five of her videos. And um, that's just because that's the way I like to facilitate. Yeah. Some people do. They use all of the videos, content. But it's really great because what she does is she actually talks about the research. She talks about yeah. her her um, application of that research, yep. the experiences, and she's she's a real storyteller. So she's always, you know, yeah. she's funny as well. It's, uh, well, it's very relatable yeah. from all perspectives, I guess. Mm. I think we there's a common theme of seeing the, uh, probably less male people within the class i guess and and it for me she hits the mark regardless because she talks about her husband a lot she talks about examples of her workplace and some of the guys in her workplace so absolutely it's it's still for 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 the male perspective it still hits the mark absolutely it is for everyone we do find that in the public programs there's more ratio female to male definitely in the public programs the public arena um in the in-house programs that we've run they've been 50 50 because you know it's like that's well, that's the, the, they're the leaders the business, in the yeah. business, right? So they've walked into the room, uh, and the guys enjoy it just as much, if not more, sometimes yeah. than the women in the room, uh, because they don't have the opportunity all that often to actually dig into who they are as a leader. Mm. There's a different level of society expectation that's provided to men that they're not supposed to dig into that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, it's not manly or whatever the the, the crappy society. Well, shame is. and vulnerability. It's shame and vulnerability equals weakness a lot of the time and that's really drilled in from society's, you know, messages to men in particular. Yeah, you Mm. and I have had many a conversation about this. yes, yes. It is definitely soul-searching. When I did Mm. this and you, because you ran our team through the program, it, yeah, hit some nerves. I think, but mm. all her books, I remember reading mm. Gifts of Imperfection and being a mess. I yes. was an absolute <laughs> mess. Because I, I'd, uh, I'd built this story about myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, there's a little bit of ego floating Absolutely, around. Absolutely, of course. Everybody's got ego. And uh, it, it tore me right back mm. down to shreds. But what I think it did for me was build a really good solid foundation. Or mm. I not build a solid foundation. The foundation wasn't really there. It made me understand the boundaries of that foundation and yeah. what uh, and what what I was potentially making up yeah. in my own head that that existed in my life when it didn't yeah. actually exist, or I was trying to be someone that I wasn't trying to uh, you know to to, to fulfil. Uh, other people's expectations of me so yeah it's uh look the journey's long i'm still on it absolutely uh, it is yes it, it definitely her her research has been fundamental yeah. for my career as well and i think mm. i thank you for that you introduced me, <laughs> me to her probably so 
Yes. Why is this different than all the other leadership programs? What What are we expecting? And I know you do the public stuff and you mentioned you also do in-house. Mm. Is there a difference in the way you run it or is it the same? What What's the – what is what, – how is it different to all other programs? Yeah, yeah. So I guess um, – it, it is made to be a face-to-face learning program. Mm-hmm. Um, I have run uh, online as well. It's, it's different, particularly from a facilitation point of view, it's a little different, but it, it's still quite powerful. It is made to be a face-to-face because mm-hmm. it's made to increase that connection with other people yep. and being able to be in a room together to connect with others is an amazing thing. So what I find in the public programs I generally have, you know, 12 or 15 strangers in a room and by the end of the two days, because we do it in an intensive two days over the public, they're leaving, hugging, you know, at the end, (laughs) exchanging numbers, details, you know, catching up for coffees and all that sort of thing because the process that you go through is really about vulnerability in action. And as soon as you start being vulnerable with other people, other people start to connect mm. with you, you Funny know, that, and there's this beautiful, <laughs> con- yes, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. So it's a great networking experience as well. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I, you know, run, I think, uh, was it maybe seven or eight, upwards of 10 now public yeah. programs and each one is very different. Uh, because of the people in the room, mm. you know, but the common element is by the end of the two days, there are people who have just connected so strongly with each other yep. that they maintain that relationship Absolutely. ongoing. Um, it is the start of a journey. So I think that's the the key component is I would never say any leadership program or any training program, I don't care what it is, you're not walking into that room on Thursday morning, walking out Friday afternoon and being a completely different person. You're just not. You may have introduced things that can start you on that journey of being a completely different person. Now, saying that, each program that I've run, whether it's in-house or public, there's always been at least one to two people in that room that have had these really powerful epiphany moments they have left that room changed. Yeah, like it's been a few tears. Changed. I've seen a few tears. A few tears, you know, those sort of it's things. It's not to scare people off. No, no, no. It's, but it, you do you it's dive real, in. realisation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brene calls it a primer course, yeah. right? So it's a primer course for anything else you do. So if you go off and you want to learn a, you know, do that one of 101 kind of management stuff, being able to be the kind of leader you want to be in those processy moments yep. is so important. So learn the process, absolutely, but you have to turn up and deliver that process. And mm. it's you that's delivering it. It doesn't matter what it says on a piece of paper. It's you that's delivering it. So it's that primer. Mm. So the public programs are really great for that, bringing people together and really diving in and really intensive. Is it running away? Like what are the key themes, I guess? You mentioned 12 pockets or sections or whatever of the of the course. Yeah, is so there's like 12 it, is different like videos. Vulner- vulnerability, one shame, another, or is it vision, values? What what, what are the key? Yeah, yeah. so there's four key uh, skill sets yep. that are, are learned. So the first one is rumbling with vulnerability, and that one is uh, quite intensive. You know, you spend, if it's a two-day program, you spend the whole day. So what's rumbling? That. Rumbling means to uh, be in something and stay in it even when it's hard. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, Yeah. so staying in even when it's hard. Um, And 
it's really about going through that process. It's a lot of uh, there's an emotional intelligence aspect to it. There's uh, understanding how to be empathetic uh, when you're not empathetic. You know, there's the empathy misses. It's when you're turning up and wearing armor. So we explore the armor that people you know, traditionally wear, particularly in organizations mm -hmm. that contribute to or um, uh, undermine maybe the culture. Yeah. Yeah, of the business. So when you say armor. Yes. Is that is that the front that they're putting on? Is that what you mean? It's by a protection, protection mechanism, whatever they're using to protect themselves yeah, okay. from the hard stuff in life. So there's there's so the uh, stories they're telling themselves or the way they act or the way they yeah it's a it's a behavioural thing okay. generally um, or it's a mindset okay. as well so there's it's whatever I'm doing to protect myself so one of the ones that stands out for me um, and it also comes up a lot in many many of these uh, discussions is what's called hustling for worth. Mm. So it's really about I've got to make sure everybody around me knows how good I actually am. Mm. So it might be in a meeting I'm just going to talk over people so that they know that I'm really good at this. I'm just going to tell them everything that I know about that particular topic, even if it doesn't add value to the conversation because what's going on inside is I don't think they think that I'm worthy. Mm. So I need to tell them that I'm worthy and I just show them like all this stuff that I can do. Well, it's actually detracting from their experience. And it is, it is. And it's, it is a real hustle. That's the thing. It's a real hustle and I'm hustling so that you think that I'm worthy. And there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And when you're putting energy into that, you're not putting energy into anything else. So you're not actually putting energy into really, truly listening to what the questions are being asked before you're giving the answer. It's a skill. It's a skill. It yeah. is a skill. So that's a protection mechanism though as well. So perfectionism is another yeah. armor that we wear. We we want everybody to see us as being perfect in whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I get this exactly right, then you won't see that I actually don't think I'm enough. That's the growth mindset type of stuff that comes Absolutely. into play there. Yeah. yeah. Versus the fixed. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. There's a, there's a lot of um, the growth and fixed mindset stuff in this. So rumbling with vulnerability. With vulnerability, That's number one. Number one. Number two is living valley, living your values. Living, living your, your values. values, yeah. So I, like, I think I living I values, like, yeah. It's, it's so do I. It's, it's probably my favorite mm. part of the uh, the program. I've always done a lot of values work, mm. and I really love this part. And really, it's about digging into who I am and what my key values are, and not just so that we do a values exercise. It's really then how does that then translate into behavior? How does they? How do we use our values to make decisions? In our life, how do we use it to frame how we turn up and how we move into what we call the arena? So we talk about, you know, stepping into the arena because that's where we want to be brave. How do we step into the arena and use our values as a protection instead of using our armor mm. as a protection? So it's a, a difference between developing protection from the inside out than the outside in. So I've, done a, outside. I've done a lot of values work in my career. I think this program, and I'm not plugging it because it's you or whatever, but I, I fundamentally believe that this program or Brene's research or whatever it might be, mm. that I walk away actually 
it gave me a whole new perspective on my values. So you, you, mm. values are things that can be up on a wall, right? You oh, walk yeah. Into it and they can, it just, yeah, I'm this, I'm respectful, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trustworthy, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think for this program, it hit the fundament, hit that foundation mm. stage. It's like actually this is what's embedded in that concrete in my body. Yeah. I am that person. Not I, I live to these values, but I am that person. Absolutely. Therefore, I now need to. And it gave me that understanding. It mm. was, yeah, so powerful absolutely because when you know what your fundamental values are you can actually create your life that actually supports those values because i know for myself when i'm not living within my fundamental values i'm I'm very uncomfortable in my life i agree it's not it's not the authentic life that i want to live so when it sounds silly because you could put yourself even more trouble or you could give stuff away or absolutely because you it doesn't align with your values but it's funny the way in the long term it actually comes back Mm -hmm. and benefits you because you feel happier you can go to sleep at night yeah yeah it's it's, yeah absolutely so that values work is really important Mm -hmm. and it is probably my the bit, the bit that I really love the yeah, most. It's fun. Yeah, it's so really num- good fun. So number three? And then number three is braving trust. Okay. So braving is uh, Brene's inventory of trust. It's a, you know, it's a um, acronym that's used uh, for looking at different elements of trust because trust is one of those things that it's such a big concept. You know, it's a little tiny word but mm. it's a, such a big concept and it's hard to talk to somebody about um trust you know if I walked into the office and said Dan you know I think we've got a trust issue here then straight away your armor is going to go hmm. on right your back's going to get up you know you're yeah. like what the hell what do you, what do you mean a trust issue what yeah. does that mean yeah absolutely so uh, Brene's actually broken trust down into seven key areas and each of those areas you explore them separately and what we often find is as you're going through those Um, different elements there's one or two of the elements that are actually the deal breaker for you so it might be um so one of them is uh, boundaries b is for boundaries right so it might be that i said braving is the acronym and we were braving is the acronym that's right that's right so and it's and she calls it an inventory of trust so the inventory it's braving b for boundaries r for reliability a i'm going to test myself here for accountability um, v for vault, I for integrity, N for non-judgment, G for generosity. Well so, I'm glad you remember that's what braving. Yeah, well, that, that was my, my biggest thing. I was like, what comes next in braving? <laughs> Need to have it written in front of me. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so those key elements, you start breaking it down. So, I, I mean, this exercise, the exercises that we do on the the braving inventory, one of those exercises changed me and actually changed my life. Um, and it wasn't going through the the Dare to Lead course. It was previous to that. I was mm. working with um, someone who's accredited in uh, Brene's other work and I was working with her one-on-one and she had me run through this braving inventory because I was having some trust issues with some people and it actually really changed me. And what I recognised in myself is that the generosity one is actually my deal breaker mm. when people start you know um, so generosity is essentially do you put the best um, thoughts and feelings on what I'm actually doing do you think I'm doing the best I can and when that's not there and there's assumptions made or it's like I'm being criticized for something that I didn't actually do and it might be because it's part of your past experience yeah. and other people that you know either look like me or sound like me or you know uh, 
in your life have done that thing and you've assigned that to me, that's the thing that breaks my trust the mm. quickest. So it's a really good way of being able to understand yourself, mm. but also you can start doing an inventory on relationships that you're in. Mm. So I'm working with a, a couple of coaching clients um, at the moment that I'm having them run through this exercise because they've got some trust issues between the two of mm. them. So they're doing an inventory on their relationship and the inventory actually goes through what do I need to do to build this and what do they need to do mm. to build this. So it's very much about a relationship is 50-50 point of view as well. So that's a really powerful exercise. And you can do it with teams, you can do it individually, et cetera. You can do it on yourself. Am I holding my own boundaries? So on the, our relationships 50-50, if you're giving all of your 50%, you're giving 100% for your 50%, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not. Mm -hmm. Then what? Well, um, that's part of your boundaries, mm. right? So it's really if they aren't giving to this relationship and I've said that I am giving to this relationship and that's part of my boundaries, then it's time to might be time to walk away mm. from the relationship. Or have the conversation. And or have the conversation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, you know, there's things that you can do obviously to rebuild yeah, trust, trust rebuild relationships. And that's when you then have one of those tough conversations which we call a rumble. You know, it's that rumbling conversation where we're going to stay in this even when it's hard, yeah. you know, even when it's uncomfortable. So it's, uh, there's a number of different tools that are used with rumble tools that are provided as well so people can have those kind of conversations. Um, we have these things called rumble starters and, you know, and they keep the conversation going and, uh, and they're really powerful tools to help rebuild or build relationships. Out of all your time, um, oh, hang on, we've got number four. One more. One more. Yeah, there's one more. Yes. So the last one is a really important one and it's learning to rise. Learning to rise. Yeah, learning to rise. So, um, so it's based on the Rising Strong book that she has and that's really about if you're going to be brave, you're going to fall. That's just the physics of bravery. It's just the physics of courage. You can put right? yourself out there, you're going to get hit, right? That's exactly right. You put yourself yeah. out there, you're vulnerable enough, often enough, you're brave enough, often enough you are going to fall. Mm. And it's really a reflection tool. That's what the Rising Strong process is. It's a reflection tool. So it's looking back on a failure, looking back on a fall and starting to unpick what it looks like for you. It's starting to look at why you survived that fall. Mm. You know, you're still here. You survived. Why did you survive? Mm. Why did that fall hit you as hard as it could be? And that's all linked back to the stuff we'd talked about before and the trust and the values and the vulnerability and all the rest of it. It's all, all interlinked. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so really the reason that that um, fourth skill set is so important is because if you're going to teach somebody to be courageous, you have to be able to teach them to survive when they fail because mm. otherwise they'll fail for the first time, they'll put themselves out there, fail and never do it again because it hits them too hard. Mm. But recognising that we all fail and we can survive and learn from failure is a really important skill set to have. Absolutely. Brilliant. So you said you've done a few now and I was going to ask this before. Out of all the, all the people that have gone through this program, what are some things that they've come to you they give you feedback they mm. give you some you know uh some, they come and comment what are some of the things that you you hear people say and take away from it oh i really learned this or i really got this from it what, what are those mm. what is just a couple yeah uh there's 
it varies from person to person. So there's not one thing yeah. that I can go point to and say that's the thing that everybody takes away. Yeah. So some people really respond well to the the conversation around empathy and yeah. understanding what empathy is um, because that's, you know, that's, they haven't maybe put it into practice the way yeah. they needed to put it into practice before. Um, a lot of people do talk about the shame shields mm. that we go through and what happens when we do have a shame attack mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the shields that actually go up and the, the impact of those shields going up as well. So there's a lot of comment on that. Um, I had, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I had, I was at a, a, um, uh, like a, a workshop myself as a participant and I sat across for the table from this woman. I looked at her and I'm like, I know her from somewhere. Like, oh, you know, where, where is she from? And then it came to me. I'm like, oh, she was in one of my Dare to Lead programs. So, you know, we said hello and that sort of thing. And then at the morning tea, I'd gone and got myself a coffee and she came over to me and she said, I just need to say to you that that Dare to Lead program changed my life. And I was, I was kind of like, whoa, okay, that's why you do a little, what bit, you do little back. I'm like, wow, okay, that's amazing. I said, well, what, you know, tell me more, like what way? And she says, I embed the, the learnings into the work that I'm doing. She was in a, um, a learning and development role. So she was able to work with teams mm -hmm. and she embedded it within the teams. She said, but personally, the values work has just changed my life. Mm. She says, after I left the room, I dug into it a lot more. I started to really analyze where my values were turning up and where they weren't and how I was living within them and when I wasn't. She says, it's just changed my life. It's powerful. It's so powerful. It's giving me goosebumps now mm. thinking about that um, because that's, that is literally why I do the work that yeah. I do is so that people apply the learning and continue learning from it. Mm. It's not just about that day it's not a, you know there's lots of great feedback about you know at the end of the 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 two days or the end of the when I do it in-house I generally break it up into five or to six modules yep. um, depending on you know their their appetite for being out of the office um, and then we can actually add a little bit more yeah. into it as well yeah. so well, add, add a few custom, extra bits custom make it yes yes absolutely yes that's right so we can we break it up and do it in different ways as well which is quite cool um but yeah the, the feedback during those sessions are always it's always great oh. but it's the stuff that i get after the fact is when i start talking to people afterwards you know months down the track and they say that that you know gem was just amazing the story i tell myself you know, just understanding now that I am a storyteller and I will fill in the blanks and don't just run with that story that I've told myself but just go validate it. Just mm. even that, that there changes people yeah, the way absolutely. they turn up. And it changes organisations too. I mean, absolutely. The, the, some of the, the growth that we've seen out of the work you've done with the organisations has been yeah. remarkable as well. Yeah, Can absolutely. you talk about that? Yeah, so I'll give you an example of somebody that was attended one of the programs. She actually took back some of the tools back to her executive leadership team. Yep. They hadn't attended the program because one of the criticisms that quite often comes up is that the language that's used in Dare to Lead is quite specific to Amer Dare to Lead. American. It's very Texan. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Texan um, and particularly that term rumble. Mm. So she actually took the term Rumble back to her executive team. She explained what Rumble was. She gave them some understanding about the tools. And she 
worked with them over a period of time and now they use that term to say, okay, we're going to have a rumble now rather than this is just a meeting or this is a conversation or whatever. This is a rumble which actually indicates to everybody in the room that this is going to be a conversation we need to stay in, that we actually really need to have a robust conversation. It could get uncomfortable. Mm. We need to bring our honesty pants with us, you know, into this. Um, That terminology you know, even though it's criticised, meant that it was a trigger for everybody in the yeah. room to know that that's this good. was a conversation we were going to have and it might be a bit tough, but that's okay. We need to get in there and we need to be in it. Brilliant. So she took that from the program and embedded it within the team, in the team that hadn't actually gone through the program. Mm. So there's lots of transferability of these this, uh, this work. Um, you know, the ones that we've run in-house, people have embedded it and they're able to test out and try different things with each other. Uh, you know, one of the groups that we've been working with have put their full leadership team through. So yeah. f- there's uh, almost 40 people by the end yeah. of the, the program going through it. So they now have a new language that they're using in-house. Right. And they've even, they've redone their values now and some of the language is embedded within their new values. So it's mm. spreading out to the entire organization. That's so good. Yeah, so they, haven't, need, used, they haven't used the term rumble in their no, values. So. <laughs> not, not yet. Not quite, not, not yet. quite. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need to read the book to be in the court, to, to take part of the court? No, no, no. It, you know, if you want to read the book, read the book. Like yeah. I actually read You can get it on audio too if you don't want to read. Totally. You're not a big reader. Yes, but and Audible, is, she actually reads the book. Does she? It, yes, Brilliant. Renee actually reads the book, which is amazing. Do but you, no, you don't need to read the book to turn up to the program. The program is built for people who have never um, even been introduced to Brené's right. work before. And I've worked with numbers of people now who didn't actually know who Brene was yeah. and then introducing her to the work and they've just loved they've it. They've loved it because you can just go on YouTube and type yeah. in Dare Lead and you'll get a whole bunch of information about what it's about. But yes. I don't think you'll get the depth that you and, – and obviously the connection with others. Because the mm. thing is about the course to, you know, there's 10, 15, 20 other people in the room mm. and you learn off their experiences too. Oh, you, they, they almost might say something – I think I remember someone saying something once, and wow, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. And I'm going through the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. it helps you take that, uh, that those, those blinkers off, I guess, because yeah. you can yeah. see things from other perspectives. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I find some of the most powerful moments end up happening in the, uh, the, the, the breaks. Yeah. You know, I was overhearing somebody um, speaking, and it was a fairly junior person. So she'd come into the program, she was quite junior in a small business. And she was talking to um, one of the guys in the room who was a senior executive in a really large business. And they were chatting and sharing these stories that were very similar stories. So even though she was a junior in this small business and he was a senior in a big business, they had shared Mm. this um, meaningful experience together and were able to help each other work through some of this stuff, which was just that to me is so powerful. Like I love seeing that, you know, and I love the stories that people are able to provide and yeah, everybody learns from each other, which yeah. I think that's, that's my job as a facilitator. It's not to go, hey, I'm the, you know, the, the uh, be all and end all and I know everything. I don't. Mm. I absolutely don't. Um, what I'm there for is to create an environment where people can share. Yeah. And as soon as they start to share, it helps somebody that's sitting next to them or across from them. And it's just, it's great. It's a beautiful experience. Excellent. I love it. Is there anything else that you want to add? 
about the program before we? Um, um, I don't think so. No? I think we've we've Covered explored it. it quite well, actually. I mean, there's a lot of activity work in it. There's you know a lot of takeaways. Yeah, you get your own. Yeah, your workbook, book and, and you know a lot of the activities as well. It's a, it's made to be applied. Yeah. That's what the the, the program's yeah, all about. So I encourage people to take the book. You know, take the um, exercises back to their teams and run their teams through these exercises yeah, as well because it's. It's a program that's made to be used. It's made to be spread. You know, the um, I mean, Brene Brown's vision is that she's she wanted to start a global conversation about shame and mm. connection. You know, and she's done that. That's an amazing thing that she's created. So getting that work out there is just brilliant. You get an accreditation, a little badge for it as well. well you, you get, get a certificate. A, you get a certificate of training. You, you don't get accreditation up. but you get a certificate, a sorry, yeah, yeah. certificate of training and yeah. you get a badge for your LinkedIn, LinkedIn as well which, which tells great. you. I know, it's awesome. I it love creates that. creates another little community on totally. oh, you've done your dead Yeah, lead. you've yes, done so. dead lead training. That's right. So you can have that conversation and, and the uh, the language, you know, you can start talking you know, talking Texan start together. Rumbling, start, start rumbling with some <laughs> That's people. That's right. No, it, it is. Look, I, I love it. I, I'm quite biased, obviously, yeah. but I do love it. Um, I was looking for a program myself that was about self-actualization mm. and, and more about leadership from within yeah. um, rather than that more traditional 101 kind of leadership training, which is, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of programs out there. Um this was something that I was looking for myself. So I'm yeah. really excited that we can offer this as well as we also do the the 101 stuff, yeah. you know. It's like how do you then translate this into yeah. action in the workplace? I think what's exciting is that you've been bringing this into all the work that you do anyway with organisations. Well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. The language is there, the fundamentals yeah. are there. That yeah. so I've now got to the point where if we're doing a, a culture transformation program that I, I run the leaders through yeah. this program. It's just part of well, that it's a journey. It, yeah, it it's becomes so, that. Yeah, it's yeah so absolutely, because it's fundamental stuff, fundamental skills for leadership. Brilliant. Where can we get hold of you and – are there any public courses coming up? Like how does the public courses, do people have to sort of just follow you on LinkedIn? Or? Yeah, so if um, people could connect with me on LinkedIn, that's great. Yep. Uh, SynergyIQ.com.au is our website and yep. we have a page devoted to Dare to Lead Dare on to there. Lead. So any of the current programs, whether they be public or short, courses that sort of thing will be yep. on there um we're doing a plan for the next half of this year now and, and putting that out there obviously the the whole the um, world the yeah. world as in Events. virtual yeah. uh and uh you know there's been some restrictions around virtual well, not, programs lifted now here in south australia so we'll yes see some that's exactly here. right so we need to now replan because we did have a number of programs planned that ended up kind of you know yeah <laughs> falling away because yeah, of all the restrictions but yeah so if you go to iq.com.au and have a look at the dare to lead page then the programs that are ready for uh, for booking yeah. will be there and follow michelle holland on on linkedin. linkedin yeah absolutely so i i'm happy to connect with everybody everybody yeah excellent thanks again thank michelle. you that bye was bye. fun thanks everyone we'll uh, catch you next time thanks bye Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au 
And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.